Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. The key to small business success is maintaining strong relationships with your customers. That's what Constant Contact has been helping small businesses do for over 25 years. With their robust suite of email and digital marketing tools, you don't have to be a marketing pro to find customers, build relationships, and grow your business. Constant Contact's digital marketing platform makes it easy to send automated emails, manage all your contacts, grow your list, advertise on social media, and more. And with all the data you need at your fingertips, it's easy to see what your customers respond to. Constant Contact takes the guesswork out of communicating with your customers effectively. Start building, expanding, and nurturing your customer base to drive better results. Go to ConstantContact.com to get started for free today. Constant Contact. All the digital marketing tools you need, all in one place. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Uh, this week, guys, we have had a pre-recorded show, which was done between me and my dad again. Um, and this is a bit of a strange one, uh, one that I think a lot of British people will know. Um, probably not one that many Americans will know. But a little bit of a disclaimer before we get into this. Now, we had actually recorded this at a previous date, and Dad realised that he put the wrong microphone on and ended up recording it off the laptop microphone. Quality, not very good, and I mean really, really bad. So we had to re-record. Dad's been in Northern Ireland for St. Patrick's Day, and the only way to re-record this was via a mobile phone. So I do have to apologise that for some reason Dad's managed to get an absolutely perfect quality sound microphone and I sound like I'm a guest calling in on his show this week. So uh, you'll have to bear with the quality but let's be honest for these types of episodes realistically you're more interested in what my dad's got to say rather than my little ad-libs so this week i shall be presenting now uh, over to my dad with this week's episode on a very fast individual so take it away for us dad yeah well i just thought i'd um to give you a little bit of a, a, a hit, no, well, let's have a say it's it's history, isn't it? So I thought, it is, yeah. So I thought <laughs> that's I'd what give, we do. Yeah. I'd, I'd give you a history lesson. So I'll get another one. <laughs> yeah, this is ninety something, isn't it? Uh, I think ninety-three. Yeah, ninety-three. Hmm. We're getting on to the one hundred mark. We certainly are. Right, this episode is about a gentleman from the UK, a very famous British man, called Donald Campbell. And he was, uh, well, was extremely famous in his time. And he lived at a time that was known as the Age of Speed. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, he was born on the 23rd of March, 1927, in Kingston-upon-Thames in England. And his father was Sir Malcolm Campbell, the racing driver and holder of 13 world speed records on both land and water. And Donald was going to follow in his father's footsteps. So this podcast will cover Donald's achievements on the water. Um, And we'll have an episode on the world land speed record probably later on in the future. Yeah. Okie dokie. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I mean, Donald, being born before the Second World War, he lived through it. He tried to tried to join the RAF at the outbreak of World War Two, but he had to settle for an engineering company because he had a childhood childhood illness that stopped him from actually joining the RAF. And he, he worked for this engineering company throughout the war. His father died on New Year's Eve, nineteen forty eight, 
and Donald decided to continue where his father left off. He wanted to hold the world speed record on land and on water. He wanted to be, like his dad, the fastest man on earth. Fair enough. Okay, so if we leave Donald Campbell just for a while and concentrate on, let's say, the water speed record. Okay, this is a record that is one of the sporting world's most dangerous competitions. It has an 85% fatality rate. So let that sink in. Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah, 85%. Even with vast improvements in safety, of the 13 people who have attempted the record since 1930, over half, namely seven of them, have died. So that's just wow, over that's... half since 1930. Yeah. If we go to 1940, since 1940, the fatality rate is 85%. So that's a still big pretty one. high. Yeah, so yeah. that's something you want to take lightly. Okay, so what's the definition of a water speed record and how is it achieved? It comes down to the world unlimited water speed record is the officially recognized fastest speed achieved by a waterborne vessel irrespective of propulsion the right the speed is calculated by the boat because to be honest that's what it is traveling through the water and a measured distance twice once in each direction within the hour the two times are added together and the average is taken and since 1940 only 16 people have given it a shot and set 34 records. Right. So some of them, some of them have, have, have basically got the record more than once. Donald Campbell is one of them. So, I mean, speed records yeah. or even simply high-speed racing on water presents interesting challenges, all right, because the vessel has to travel through two mediums. It has to go through air and it has to go through water. And it may yeah. be may be obvious, but they're not the same. Probably because <laughs> water is six hundred times denser than air. So the biggest problem is the liquid surface. It's it's not uniform, and there are things yeah. you just don't get on land, like waves, choppiness caused by wind, currents, yeah. height differences, swells, buoyancy, which is salt or fresh water, and loads of other things. And then you have the boat's dynamics. It has to be lightweight. And in record attempts, that means extremely light. It has to be aerodynamic as well as hydrodynamic. So it has to travel through air and water. The engine has to be placed in the middle or the rear of the boat. Because if it was stuck at the front, there'd be more weight at the front. The boat would try to go underwater. Yeah, makes sense. Right. But because the engine has to be in the middle or towards the back, the tendency is for the boat to go nose upwards. Yeah, that's yeah. not a problem <laughs> until you realise too much air going underneath the boat can lift the front and flip it over. And in a lot Hence of cases, the, it'll cartwheel yeah. on the surface. Hence the mortality rate on the attempts. Well, yeah. Impact with water at speed isn't pleasant. It's the same no. as hitting concrete. And usually smashes the boat to pieces and that usually includes the driver so a wave a ripple the wake of an of other surface things like observation boats large birds floating debris just below the surface or just on the surface can have the same effect and then yeah. you've got the design of the boat itself for aerodynamics the driver has sits in an enclosed cockpit with a canopy They've got to be strapped in securely. And although this is done for the safety of the driver, or pilot in some cases, because they're near enough travelling at that sort of speeds, it comes with additional problems. In the event of an accident, the driver can be knocked unconscious, end up upside down, and drown before help can arrive. Well, yeah, because the help's not right on the... You know, they're, they're not at the same speed. They're obviously at a safe distance and... You know, it doesn't take that long to drown. So it's uh, help doesn't arrive within seconds, does it? No. Speaking to people who do travel fast on water, it's been likened to driving a car at 200 mile an hour 
with no brakes, driven down a flight of concrete stairs that are all different heights and angles. Sounds like a, a pretty bumpy ride, yeah. It certainly is. So there's a reason why the world speed record is the, uh, on water is the slowest of the three, air, land and water. I mean, just for reference purposes, there is no official underwater speed record. And that's probably because the, the navies of the world just keep their submarine secrets to themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense, to be fair, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the first recorded water speed record was set in 1885 at an amazing speed of 2.6 miles an hour okay (laughs) i mean this was in a steam-powered boat using a propeller and and you probably think that ships under sail or under any sort of power even pedal must have been able to travel faster than walking pace and you'd probably be right yeah but we're talking about a record which has to be set under controlled conditions and it has to be set at something so the first one was two and a half miles an hour now the change from steam power gave way to petrol and as it did the rules for the actual record were defined and that came out in 1910 and it's for that reason that the official records began in 1911 and the first person to hold the, hold the record was Sir Edward McKay Edgar, and he recorded a speed of 57 miles an hour in 1911. And that okay. record... I mean, but for that, for that day and age, that's not, that's not that slow, is it, really? No, no, it's, it's, quite, uh, it's quite, a, um, uh, quite a fast speed. I mean, 57 mile an hour in 1911 was quite fast, you know. And that record lasted yeah. until after the First World War. Uh, when a Canadian called Casey Baldwin managed to get 70.8 miles an hour. Um, so again, that's for the, the 1920s, you're talking some serious speed there. Yeah. Um, in the next 57 years, the record on water was contested by only three countries, the US, Great Britain and Ireland. And in those 57 years, the record changed 27 times. Okay, but I mean, the, the record can change for like half you know, half of one mile an hour, can't it? It's not like the record didn't have to be obliterated. It could just be beaten by one mile an hour. Oh, yes, certainly can, yeah. After Casey Baldwin, the, the US took over and held the record for the next 10 years and they raised the speed limit to 93 miles an hour until 1930 when uh, a gentleman called Henry Seagrave took a boat called Miss England up to 98.7 and took the title for Great Britain. On the return run the boat capsized after completing the required distance and Victor Halliwell who was the chief engineer on the boat at the time he died because the boat rolled over on top of him right okay (laughs) now but he'd made the distance so he'd already made the record but then obviously it was the aftermath as as it was slowing down yeah michael wilcox he survived he was another he was a mechanic Um, he survived with a broken arm because he got thrown from the boat and seagrave the driver was rescued unconscious as the boat sank. Wow. So he was lucky. Well, you say he was lucky. Shortly after being told he had actually broken the record, he died. Oh, all right. (laughs) He wasn't that lucky. He was lucky to be rescued. He he wasn't that lucky. I mean, when the the wreck of of the boat, Miss England 2, was raised from the lake, about two weeks later, they found a hole in the hull. Um, So the official explanation of that particular accident was the result of hitting a tree that had been floating on or just below the surface of the lake. There have been other suggestions later on that the boat's design wasn't quite as good as it should have been, but there you go. That's another thing you don't think of, isn't it? Just general underwater debris. That you can't see. So, I mean, speaking later, the survivor, because there were three in the boat, two died. The survivor, the mechanic, said that... uh, he believed that uh, Seagrave could have thrown himself clear at the last minute, but instead he decided to fight with the controls in an attempt to save the boat and the crew. He had declined the chance of wearing a life jacket 
because only one of the three that had been ordered was actually delivered and he wasn't going to wear one if there wasn't enough for the rest of the crew so yeah. i mean i yeah i get that i get the point behind that but you know it didn't wouldn't have made any difference anyway. It's a British thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. Other, other countries that go, sod that, mate, I'm having the life jacket. I would, <laughs> be fair. <laughs> you would have thought so, uh, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, boat design changed over the years, going from single hulls to multi-hulls and then onto hydroplanes. The thinking being that the amount of um, the amount of the boat immersed in the water, if you can reduce that, the drag is less and and a hydroplane design basically lifts most of the boat out of the water when it's running at speed but it gives you the additional problem like you remember when i said right at the beginning if the a lot of air gets under the boat then there's a potential for it to flip and if you're lifting the boat out of the water then there's gonna be more air underneath it just just general sort of sense really yeah yeah, it makes, yes, aerodynamics, isn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the last single-hulled boat to actually hold the record was uh, one called Miss America 10. It was driven by a bloke called Gar Wood um, from the US in September 1932. And he actually took the record up to 124, or just under 125 miles an hour. And he took it off of an Irishman called K. Don, after that, the record has only been held by Americans or British, with the exception of the current world record holder. Okay. All right, so we're looking at a British-American, basically, rivalry. Yeah. All right, and since Miss America 10, all records have been held by hydrofoils. Now. That makes sense, yeah. It's the faster way of doing it. Donald Campbell's father, Malcolm Campbell, gained the record in 1937, taking the speed up to 126 in a boat he called the Bluebird K3. And over the next two years, he raised the record. So he went out a go at it, and then he had another go at it, and then he had another go at it, until he eventually got it up to 141.7 miles per hour. So that's a bit quick when you start thinking of water. Yeah. Right? The boat he used for that was one that he called the Bluebird K4. It was a propeller-driven boat. It was still a propeller-driven boat. They they drove on propellers. was a hydroplane, but uh, it was... Now, Malcolm Campbell had named all of his record attempt vehicles, bearing in mind he was the land speed record holder as well, and he yes. named them Bluebird. And he had them painted a particular colour blue. When it yeah, came but, when it comes to right. the water record, the British boats for the water record, they all have a letter K in front of after their name. So you would have Bluebird K and then a number. Yeah? Yeah. And the K was taken from the Lloyd Register and it was the the class for the boats with unlimited engine power that make attempts on the world record. Right, okay. So Bluebird K3, Bluebird K4 were the two that um, Malcolm Campbell used. Right? right. Now, obviously, unlimited engine power can also mean infinite. And Malcolm Campbell put the infinity sign on the k number on the side of his boats okay that they're just for the water boats aren't they these yeah just for the water boats they are just they are i mean there have only ever been eight boats with a designation k all right um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll give them to you anyway there was miss england 3 1932 miss england yeah. the k2 was miss britain 3 Never actually went on, never actually succeeded in getting a record. The K3, which was Bluebird, 1937-1938, held three records. The K4, 1939, held the record. And then we move up to later years. The K5, which was a boat called the White Hawk, that was a failed attempt. 
The K6 was a boat called Crusader. I'll come on to that one because that's quite an interesting one. The K7 was a Bluebird, and that was yeah. 1955 to 1967 and held seven records. Bluebird K7. Wow. And the last one, the K8, is called British Pursuit, Miss Alton Towers, 1982, and it was a failed attempt. So there's only been eight boats with the that have have, have done that. Okay. So okay. we go back to Malcolm Campbell. Uh, he died on Christmas on New Year's Eve, 1948, and his son Donald took over the "I'm going to be the fastest person on the planet." Yeah, that's what he wanted. Yeah. But to dis- distinguish Donald Campbell's boats and vehicles from his father's he changed the name so whereas his father had the word blue and bird donald campbell yeah. made it one word so donald campbell's boats and cars were called bluebird as opposed to the two separate words and the reason he gave was so that he could differentiate between him and his father's that's that's the only reason yeah still use the same much, color but enough yeah but enough yeah now Donald Campbell made a couple of unsuccessful attempts at the water speed record using his dad's boat, the K4, the Bluebird K4. None of them were ex- were successful. <laughs> so he did a bit of playing around with it. In 1951, so we're talking three years after his dad died, Bluebird was modified, so we're looking at the K4 was modified to what they call a prop rider. And what they did there was they lifted the propeller a third out of the water. It instantly reduces the drag on it, but it means the the part of the propeller would always be out of the water. And now, Bluebird K4 had a chance of exceeding the American record, which had been set at 160 miles an hour. Okay. So Donald Campbell took the boat over to Italy and to use used it as a racing boat. Um he actually won the Ultrasana the um Ultranza Cup in Italy in spring of 18 of 1951. And in September in trials he got the boat up to 170 miles an hour, which wow. Great, you know, 170. <laughs> now it broke up. <laughs> basically the gearbox ripped itself out and punched a floor a hole in the floor and he <laughs> he wrecked the boat in uh, in september 51 and unfortunately 170 miles an hour it was the record at the time he did get the record but the americans came back and stanley sayers in a boat called the slow motion four pumped the record up again to 178 mile an hour and Campbell realised that the K4 was never, ever going to be able to reach that sort of speed, even if it was repaired. He needed something new. He needed something new. All right. So he's gone away. Now, you remember I said about the K6? Yes. Yeah? Well, that's kind of an interesting one, and I'll I'll give you a little bit on that, because this is mainly about Donald Campbell. and, and, and But uh, 1952 saw a bloke called John Cobb. Now, John Cobb already had the land speed record for Great Britain, and he'd held it since 1947. All right? The speed of 394 miles an hour. So you can tell the difference, yeah? The water speed record, 178. The 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 land land speed speed. record, 394. Yeah. Okay? There's a bit of a difference. So... John Cobb decides, well, I'm going to do the boat. I'm going to go for the water speed record as well. And he purposely built a boat called the Crusader. And he stuck a turbojet in it. So it's a jet engine. <laughs> now, on the morning of the 29th of September, 1952, he's on Loch Ness in Scotland. Now, he's prepared for this. He's done a lot of preparation. There's been a lot of publicity on it. I mean, the Queen Mother even visited him the day before this attempt uh, to wish him luck. And if you go onto YouTube and type in John Cobb 
or Crusader K6, you will see this attempt. It, it was recorded. It is on YouTube. All right. The Crusader edges out into Loch Ness and begins to accelerate the, with the jet up to speed and commence a run. On his first run, he reached a speed of 206.8 miles an hour. That is 28 miles an hour above the American record. Yeah, that's not slow. <laughs> okay. So he basically, on the first run, he obliterated the American record, 178. You know, that's a lot. That That's a hell of a lot. But bear in mind, like we said, you have to do two runs, one in each direction, within the hour. So John... Cobb goes through the timed mile and as he slowed the crusader down after completing it completing that section he hit an unexplained wake a ripple on the water yeah the nose of the boat goes up down up down and the boat disintegrates it killed him instantly and you just got to think you know you can actually see it on youtube uh, the boat breaking up, the Crusader K6. That's not yeah. good. I mean, no. at the time of his death, John Cobb was known by the press as the fastest man alive. I mean, he had the world land speed record at 394. And, and to be honest, that record actually lasted until 1964 <laughs> when it was exceeded by uh, a gentleman called Donald Campbell, <laughs> who's the boat we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it lasted a long time, that one. Yeah, it did. Uh, and, and Donald Campbell only broke it by nine miles an hour as well. Anyway, um, although he failed, in, although John Cobb failed in his attempt to break the water speed record because he had only done one timed distance, the Union of Motorboating issued him with an official recognition certificate of his achievement. He wasn't credited with the record, but Crusader yeah. was credited with travelling at that speed. In fact, Crusader... Sort of like a consolation, because he died. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Crusader wasn't found until 2002. Found in July on two th in 2002, uh, when actually there was a, an underwater search for the Loch Ness Monster, and they found the remains of the Crusader. The investigation concluded that the boat, which was made of wood, wasn't strong enough for the conditions that it encountered, and it just broke up at that speed. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, I mean, I've like I said, I've seen the video, and it does uh, literally just disintegrate. Yeah. I mean, there was quite a bit much left to recover, really. No, there wasn't really. I. Donald Campbell, having decided that the Bluebird K4 was not capable of catching the record, and with the death of his friend John Cobb, um, he knew that a propeller-driven boat would have difficulty reaching the record. So yeah. he, he, although he was devastated, he decided to build a new Bluebird and bring the water speed back, water speed record back to Great Britain in memory of John Cobb and because he wanted to do it. And he decided he was going to use a gas turbine jet engine. Okay. In fact, the, the, the last propeller-driven boat to hold the record was actually the Slow Motion 4, which was the American one that uh, John Cobb was trying to beat. So, yeah. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense. You know, jet power's a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot better, isn't it? I mean, I mean Slow Motion 4 set the record in July 52. And Donald Campbell wanted a boat that would beat that. They designed a boat. Now, it's a strange-looking boat when you look at it. Have you seen it? What, the Bluebird? The Bluebird, yeah. Well, it's yeah, another Bluebird, it is. isn't it? But it's the K7. Yes, yeah, it a, it's a weird design. It's got sort of like two pods at the front to, which i'm assuming are just like ballast and then like a almost looks like a backwards trike yeah Does that makes sense yeah yeah i mean it's a it's a steel framed aluminium bodied three-point hydroplane that's what it's called that's that's the description of it 
yeah. the engine he decided was uh, a Vickers Beryl axial flow turbojet for those people who are a little bit technical, producing 3,000 pounds of force. Like the slow motion and the Crusader, the Bluebird had three planing points. So when it goes up and lifts the boat out of the water and goes onto the hydroplanes, there are three points that made contact with the water. All right. Now, yeah. unlike the Crusader, the K6, the three planing points were arranged with two at the front and one at the back. So it made it look, uh, they called it a pickle fork layout. And a lot of people actually compared the Bluebird to uh, a blue lobster. All right, it was it was quite a quite an advanced design for its time, and the the actual steel frame was made ultra rigid, and that was at the the request of Donald Campbell himself because he didn't actually want to suffer a boat failure like the Crusader. Now. They designed yeah. <laughs> this boat. I don't think anyone would. Well, no, not really. They designed the boat for a design speed of 250 miles an hour. Okay. okay. Now, bearing in mind the record is 178, he, um, yeah, that, that was the design they wanted, the design speed of it. And, well, it remained, I mean, the, the, the K7 remained the only successful jet boat in the world right up until the late 1960s so it wasn't a bad design um and to be honest it wasn't overly expensive it cost when they built it twenty five thousand pound which realistically i think it works out around six hundred and fifty thousand pounds in today's money i've no idea what that is in dollars in an american but uh, i mean they made it and they made it basic you know the cockpit was made as basic as possible the throttle control for this massive jet engine that sat next to his ears was a single pedal on the floor the dashboard only had two watches for timing either side of the steering wheel there was an auxiliary hand throttle and a two-way radio and donald campbell had his own saint christopher fixed to the dashboard for good luck that's it. There was a dial saying approximate speeds, but it was really, really unreliable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the engine was heavy. Jet engines in those days weren't lightweight things, but Bluebird only weighed two and a half tons. So she wasn't fantastically heavy for a record attempt. No, no. She measured 26 and a half feet long by 10 feet wide. The original design had a windscreen and wiper blade in front of the driver. Um, to be honest, they later replaced that. And if you see the videos of this thing, you can understand why. But yeah, they eventually put a fully rounded Perspex cockpit screen over over the, the, uh, the driver. But at the time when it was first made, it had a windscreen. Do Americans call it a windshield? Is, is that what they call it? We call it. We call it a wind. Yeah, I think they do. We call it a shield. They call it a screen. Sure it's the other it way around. We call it a windscreen. Yeah. They call it a windshield. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a wiper blade. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Yes, that's really going to work, isn't it? Not um, going to do much difference, is it? No. So what we have is years of development, and there were some major modifications to what we call the sponsons the sponsons are the two um pods at the front either side of the cockpit and they are the bits that hold the hydroplanes for the front and bluebird first took to the water to make an attempt on the speed record july 1955 he was successful donald campbell okay. took the record off of the americans he set a world record of 202 miles an hour and they chose a place called Ullswater in uh, the Lake District. <laughs> Part of the reason is because it's nine miles long. Yeah? And if you remember okay, yeah. right at the beginning, you are driving a car at 200 miles an hour with no brakes. <laughs> These things don't stop. Yeah, you can't yeah, you stamp need... on the anchors and it goes, yeah, so it just doesn't work. So they needed that, that distance. And later that year, so we're talking 1955, 
Donald Campbell again raised the record to 216 miles an hour. And he did that in the US on the Colorado River on Lake Mead. Um, fairly close by the Hoover Dam, actually. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, Donald Campbell, <laughs> he went over there for a race. Okay, so he took his Bluebird over there to race and to advertise to get some money from uh, Mobile Oil um, and the US television company who were going to film it. <laughs> to be honest, it was a complete and utter disaster. Um, the first test run went badly. The wind speed was too high. It caused choppy conditions and a hell of a lot of water got in the engine. Um, the test got abandoned, so he turns back to shore, at which point the engine stalls due to the amount of water that's gone in the air intakes. 140 feet from the jetty, <laughs> Bluebird sank. Right. It went stalled. As it it went down, yeah, because of the yeah. amount of water that it had sucked into the engine, it became too heavy. It wouldn't float, and it ended up on the bottom of Lake Mead. Obviously, I... it's only 140 feet from the jetty, so it's not deep water. And it, it took the divers um, the rest of the day to bring it back to the surface and dry it out. So the race that Donald Campbell went over there to do didn't actually take place. But he did manage to... Uh, raise the record and when he returned to england he um started to do his record-breaking attempts on a place called coniston water yeah so, yeah so that's where basically donald campbell became famous yeah i mean he was famous is it we're talking a, an age where speed was the thing you know the faster you could go these people were there was no television you know, you had cinema in those days and you had newsreels on cinemas. People went to cinemas to watch films, but they had the news on the cinema, you know, the weekly news. And Donald Campbell actually featured a hell of a lot on those, as did all the record breakers of the time. They were the footballers, the uh, NFL superstars, the, the astronauts of their time. They were the most famous people out there. All, all these record breakers, whatever record they were going to break, made them um, ultimately as famous as they could possibly be. Yeah, they were the superheroes of the day, weren't they? Yeah. Um, Donald Campbell's business manager thought he should, because he was famous, have some kind of a mascot. And they gave him what was... Well, they gave him a whoppet. <laughs> You're going to ask me what a whoppet is now, aren't you? Yeah, not something I, <laughs> I've ever heard of. Okay, it, it was a, a popular 1950s cartoon in a in a comic. The comic was called Robin, oh. but uh, we're talking 1950s comic, and it features the adventures of a teddy bear, and the teddy bear was called Whoppet. So, right, Donald Campbell's manager bought gave him a whoppet. Donald added an H to its name. So instead of W-O-P-P-I-T, he called it Mr. Whoppet, W-H-O-P-P-I-T. Yeah. And he yeah. kept it with him. He carried with it. He carried this little teddy bear thing with him every single time he made a record attempt after, once he'd been, he'd been given it. And it actually became his lucky mascot. So, okay. you know, he was... Going really sort of, uh, really going for it. 1957, he raises the record again to 239 miles an hour. Um, I mean, the Bluebird was constantly being upgraded with um, all sorts of things. They they add they took away the windshield, the windscreen, and they stuck a uh, an aircraft style can canopy on it. They stuck a tail fin on it, and the tail fin gave stability at speed but they also thought they could use that to house a parachute to slow the thing down because of the right. increased speeds then you know the nine miles of water that they needed was becoming sort of a little bit close to the limit so they needed some means of actually slowing these things down these this boat <laughs> you've got to think the boat is traveling a few feet off the water. You then yeah. try and deploy a parachute. 
it ain't gonna work yeah that's just gonna get wet and fill with water and not do anything that's exactly what happened so yeah so the first time they deployed the parachute it got too wet it was ineffective and they just took it away <laughs> they never used it again all right yeah so i mean during 1958 1959 donald campbell and his bluebird made more attempts at the world record and he got the the record up to 260 miles an hour just over i think it was 260.35 but he was the only one doing it. Nobody could match him. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, he just stopped. And personally, I think it's because he got bored with it. Yeah, really. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, it's just upping his own record. So yeah, he's got nothing really to fight against, does he? No. So what he did is he turned his attention from water to land, and okay. he went for the world land speed record. He stuck Bluebird K7 into a museum and off he went to try and get the world land speed record. He did it. He succeeded in getting the world land speed record on the 17th of July, 1964. Now bear in mind that that was the he, the record that he'd beat was John Cobb's record. Okay. Well, he wasn't there to fight <laughs> yeah. back afterwards. No. So it's... 403 miles an hour in a car he called the bluebird but the designation of this one was uh cn7 and he did it on a dry lake bed in lake erie in in australia now donald saw the chance it was july he's just got the world land speed record he already holds the water speed record but he holds the land speed record now. And he believed he could do a double. He could break the world water speed record and the world land speed record in the same year. Nobody had ever done it. So what does he well, do? That gives him... Yeah. <laughs> he pulls the bluebird out of the museum and gets it shipped off to Australia, where he is. Yeah, well, it's basically, he's now got something to fight for. It gives him a reason to go back onto the water. Otherwise, there doesn't seem to be a reason before that. No. And the weather was crap. You can't put it any better than that. It was wet. It was windy. It was horrible. And he'd almost given up, um, except on the last day of the year, 1964, yeah. he took the bluebird out onto the water he got a speed of 276.3 miles per hour so on the last possible day of the year donald campbell succeeded in being the first person to ever get the world land speed record and the world water speed record in the same year he is the only person in history to achieve it and that's current so he now has the land speed record and the uh water speed record and that kind of renews donald's interest in the water speed record now he decided yeah. he's going to break the 300 mile an hour barrier now that's, okay. a, that's an increase of what 200 uh an increase of 24 miles an hour doesn't sound much but i think 276 to 300 is a it's a bit of a yeah, tall it's, order. it's a bit of a tall order in it but he set his mm. sights on this by mid-1966, and bearing in mind that's the same year that England won the World Cup, and believe it or not, it's the same year that uh, one of your previous podcasts, the uh, Foxtrot 1-1, the murder of the British police officers happened. Yes. 1966. Um, ah. <laughs> Donald Campbell bought a NAT jet He bought one from the British Ministry of Defence. Um, and this aircraft had a much more powerful engine than the old barrel that he had fitted into the K7. So he had this new engine, which is a, a, a Bristol City Orpheus engine, fitted with all the modifications that were needed into the Bluebird K7. He took the tail fin off of the aircraft and he fitted that to the back of the bluebird and that was designed to improve the high speed stability and to be honest it actually made it look a little bit more uh, futuristic and yeah. he, he also fitted a water brake now, I'm not 100% sure 
how that worked. Um, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but from what I gather, it was a means by which something lowered from the side, of, from the the base of the boat, and and basically dug into the water and slowed the the, the thing down that way. Um, mm. From what I can gather, um, because obviously increased speed increased stopping distance so he had to have some form of brake and a parachute didn't work when they first tried it so they, they gave up on that one the team had been trying to make another attempt on the world record with a view to raising it to 300 miles an hour since november okay so right. november 66 but the weather technical issues and so far they just hadn't managed to do it so the year rolls on into January 1967. Now, January in the UK is cold, wet, miserable, and bloody horrible, to put it mildly. In January, the whole of the UK is cold, wet, and miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely little grey, wet island yes. off the coast of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> on the 3rd of January, so it's just inside 1967, Donald Campbell, he's... He's really, to be honest, he's not very impressed with the weather. He can't make any attempts. And he's just biding his time and waiting. Uh, and that particular evening, he was playing cards. And uh, he actually drew the ace and queen of spades. Now, I'm not a right. card player, all right? But that hand is not a lucky hand. Okay. Now, it's not lucky Sounds hand. Good. It does sound good for certain things, <laughs> but it's an unlucky combination. Um, bearing in mind that Queen Mary, or Mary, Queen of Scots, was playing cards the night before she had her head chopped off, and she drew the ace and queen of spades. So it ah, it's not a good yeah. thing. I mean, <laughs> Donald Campbell looks at the cards, and, and he actually says, uh, someone in my family is going to get the chop. I pray it's not me, but if it is, um, I hope I'm going ruddy fast at the time. That was his quote. So, wow. you know, was, that that was he was that kind of a person. But um, to be honest, he'd been getting a lot of pressure towards the tail end of sixty sixty five um, from the sponsors and the press because he said he was going to get the record. He was going to go to 300 miles an hour. And mm. the people are pressure, pressuring him, and the weather just hadn't been good, and he'd been putting it off and putting it off. But Dawn, on the 4th of January, he decides, we're going to go out, we're going to, have a, we're going to go out, and if the weather improves, we're going to go for it. So they prepared the Bluebird for another record attempt. And, yep. and to be honest, Donald Campbell gets in there into the boat and he actually believes he can do it this time. The lake was flat calm. There wasn't a ripple. There wasn't a thing. It was mirror finish. And Bluebird had yeah. been running absolutely perfectly. So off they go. Okay. He goes into the timed run, the timed distance comes out the other side at 297 miles an hour that is wow, faster nearly. that is faster than bluebird had ever been before even on test runs or anything else they get to the end of that timed distance and campbell turns the boat around now instead of refueling because his plan was to refuel the boat but he slowed the boat down turned it round and lined his boat up for this return run. Okay. Four minutes later, he starts the return run. Now, observers said that the Bluebird didn't quite look as stable on this particular run as it had on the first, and they saw the front lift slightly. In fact, it lifted a lot, and this was because the wake from his first run hadn't fully dissipated throughout uh, through the lake and he actually ran through it he entered the timed area at 327 miles an hour wow now if he'd been able to maintain that speed there would have been a new record at three of 312 unfortunately she didn't yeah uh the airflow managed to get 
under the bow of K7, and basically, she just took off. She flew into the air, twisted around, flipped over, and came crashing down before sinking. Now, wow. technically, K7 was on its return run, and it encountered the wake produced by the first run. The nose started to bounce up and down. Once the front begins to lift, it widens the airspace between the hull and the water. The longest yeah. bounce caused a rapid deceleration and they reckon that the deceleration went from 328 down to 296 which was a decrease of 32 miles an hour whilst it was out of the water this gave two negative g's to the driver in the process now it's highly likely but cannot be proved that campbell would have hit the brakes at this point yeah the engine flames out so it basically it's known as stalling which results in the loss of thrust that lifts the nose further upwards because suddenly the boat isn't being pushed along it's digging in that disturbs the flow of water around the floats at the front and allows the boat to become aerodynamic and it lifts it which doesn't want to be <laughs> no it lifts it from the lake the boat begins cartwheeling through the air and it does a first it does a full rotation which ends up with the K7 landing on her port side ripping the boat in two and then it flips over and over and over on the water and destroyed itself before sinking yeah not good now, a bloke from uh, a bloke called Paul Evans from Darlington was in charge of the radio communications during this run and he was the last man to hear Donald Campbell alive. He still has the original recording of this attempt and the dramatic last seconds before the Bluebird crashed. Now, funnily enough, I've got that recording. In case you didn't hear it, those were the last words spoken by Donald Campbell. And they were, I can't see anything. I've got the bows out. I'm going. And then this is the sound of the crash. Now, yeah. Do Donald Campbell's empty helmet, along with several larger, more buoyant pieces of the K7, were all that was left on the surface. Mr. Whoppet, Donald Campbell's good luck charm that he always carried with him was one of these items that floated to the surface. The next day, divers located the wreck 143 feet down on the bottom of the lake. Bluebird was intact from the rear of the cockpit backwards. Everything forward of that point was either smashed or missing. There was no sign of Donald Campbell. On the surface, the police checked the shoreline every day for three months. They never found him. Although the location of the wreck was known from the day after the crash, the Bluebird wasn't actually raised until the 8th of May 2001. There's a lot of controversy attached to this action. Some of the Campbell's family actually wanted it left on the bottom of the lake. Others believed that divers would raid it and remove items. So eventually it was brought back to the surface. During the recovery process, several items were found close to the main body of the boat. They included loose change that was in Donald Campbell's pocket, a St. Christopher pendant that would have been around Donald Campbell's neck, a cigarette lighter inscribed with the image of the bluebird, and a key fob. They would have been in his overalls. Yeah. Nearby, they found what was left of Donald Campbell. Now, after spending three and a half decades underwater, there wasn't much left. The remains were still in pieces of blue cloth from his overalls, and the elastic waistband and belt were still intact. His head was not amongst the remains. They were brought to the surface and positively identified using DNA to his daughter Gina so he used his daughter's DNA they confirmed that what they had found was the remains of Donald Campbell 
Donald Campbell was finally laid to rest on the 12th of September 2001. Despite him being a very, very famous person at the time of his death, it was almost a footnote in the UK newsreels yeah. on that day because it was the day after 9-11. And I think, to be honest, you can understand why, you, can't you? You can understand why, but it's, it's amazing to think that, obviously, one of the most famous British men that ever lived because he got buried on a day that was infamous in history. He was just not important. But had he have been buried two days before, so on the 10th of September, it would have been front page news everywhere. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those ones that he... You yeah. can understand the reasons for it, but also, like I said, this is one of the most famous men in British history. Mm. And he, he, like you said, he's a footnote because of other events in the world yeah um, so oh yeah, yeah it's quite a it's almost a bit of a tragedy that that's how it ended for him you know he was that famous that much of a, a speed demon and, and everything that went with it and then the end was obviously caught on on video it was caught on on sound and then his final rest was not even acknowledged probably by the majority of British people. Yeah, well, I mean, there was an inquest into the accident at the time, and they held another one on the in 2002, uh, basically to determine Donald Campbell's exact cause of death. Um, <laughs> he died in an accident because he was going too fast. Yeah. Um, but the conclusion was he died because he backed off the throttle at a crucial time when the... Uh, Bluebird was on the verge of instability. He did apply the water break, but it was applied too late. And the effect on Donald Campbell of the sudden deceleration, which basically ripped his crash helmet off, which is why the crash helmet was found floating on the water. Uh, the coroner said that Campbell's head had been severed by the plastic knocked out of the cockpit windshield. It was quick death. It was, yeah. I mean, the coroner ruled that the tragedy was an accident after hearing all the conditions of the day. I mean, the pathologist uh, responsible for examining Donald Campbell testified that multiple bones were broken by the ferocity of the boat's high-speed impact with the water's surface. Um, evidence suggests that the right side of his body took the m main force of the impact, and that's where all the bones were shattered. As he was propelled forwards towards the bulkhead, his head was taken off by the shattered Perspex canopy. Donald Campbell became just another person who was killed in the pursuit of speed. Very, very famous gentleman. Yeah. But unfortunately, he was in the he was in the majority. He's one of the 85 percent. Since Donald Campbell's record of 276 miles an hour now bear in mind that's 1964 the record has only increased three times the current record holder is a gentleman called ken warby he is an australian and he has the record which was set in 1978 of 317 miles an hour ken warby is the only person in history to break 300 miles an hour on water. I can't see many people jumping at the opportunity to try and beat that. Funnily enough, you say that, but currently, as of 2022, there are at least five countries building boats to attempt the world water speed record. Now, bear in I mean, mind, there have only been two attempts to break the record since it was set. In 1978, there's only been two attempts at it. Uh, one was by a gentleman called Lee Taylor on the 13th of November 1980, and the other one was a gentleman called Walt Afrons in July 1989. Both were fatalities, both were failures. Yeah, I mean, it's all well and good building the boats and saying, oh, you know, we've, we've got a boat that can do 500 miles an hour or whatever, he's finding an idiot to get in the cockpit and drive it. 
hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, um, you know, you could probably build. They could probably build one that does Mac one, but whether someone's going to get in there and try it, it's uh, is a different matter. Yeah. So had Donald Campbell got three hundred and twelve miles an hour, if he'd have succeeded on that second run, he'd have got three hundred and twelve miles an hour. That is only two miles an hour short of the current world record. Wow. He didn't. He held the record at 276. Uh, Lee Taylor got it back for the US in um, 1967. 1977, Ken Warby got shade under 300 miles an hour. And in 1978, he got 317. That is the current world speed record for water. And it's not probably not going to be beaten for no. a long time they are all jet powered those those craft uh like i said earlier the last propeller driven was um stanley sears in uh the, the slow motion four and that was 1952 there is a woman's outright water speed record okay 168 miles an hour and that's currently Good held by States. held by a New Zealander. And a record was set in 1990. <laughs> Interesting note to that. The two previous records for the fastest woman on earth was Gina Campbell, who uh, is daughter. the daughter of Donald Campbell. Wow, <laughs> it runs in the family then. Yeah. So, yeah, there have been a few. That's the story of Donald Campbell. Um realistically his achievements on water and a little bit of history on the the uh world water speed record i hope you've enjoyed that one because yeah. if you have i might put together one on the world land speed record but mm, that's, that's entirely up to you dan no i think that's quite an interesting one so i know a little bit about the land speed record I didn't know very much about the water obviously i know donald campbell's name um i know bits and bits and pieces but not not to that extent so um you know i i enjoyed it but i definitely think uh the land speed will be be worth doing as well mm. i think that i'll see if i can put that one together at some point in the in the future that goes back that goes back quite a long way you know you're going back since the the start of motor cars and things like that so oh yeah yeah but yeah so uh the world the world water speed record 85 percent casualty rate and not the safest pursuit in the world i would have thought so there we go that's the story donald campbell a very strange individual as far as i'm concerned anybody who wants to take a plunge on an 85 percent death rate probably needs their head looking at but a fantastic episode there from my dad yet again uh, never seems to miss a beat when he does these so uh, i hope you all enjoyed that i do hope you all managed to bear with us on the sound quality um it was a bit on and off but we wanted to get this episode out to you as quickly as possible so i hope you guys forgive me for that one um for those of you who are listening to this on patreon like i said you always get this a little bit earlier than everybody else if you're not on patreon i think you guys need to be getting over there it's five dollars a month and you'll get access to all of these shows before everybody else and you don't have to listen to those annoying adverts so thank you again guys thanks for listening and we'll see you next week thank you bye bye Help your four-year-old find joy in learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. 
Not running your business on NetSuite is like trying to sync a putt with a cap pulled over your eyes. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system, giving you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, budgeting, and more all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 31,000 businesses already use NetSuite. This summer, NetSuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com go. netsuite.com go. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm. You're keeping it cool, too. With an ice cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm. You're keeping it cool, too. With an ice cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.